Medicine Clock. I'm your host, Mary Copeland. This infotainment podcast explores how to live your best life now and well into retirement. We'll discuss topics in financial planning, housing, and insurance. We'll talk wellness, relationships, and leisure activities. A full active life requires planning for your goals and preparing for the unexpected. I'll introduce you to a variety of guests from knowledgeable experts to folks sharing stories of their life experiences and so much more because life is big. All is intended to help guide you in planning for what you need now and at any age. Like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Today, my guest is Nikki Noteboom, the Marketing and Communication Director for the Alzheimer's Association, Washington State Chapter, since 2022. Nikki has a seasonal background, or a seasoned background, I should say, in healthcare and social service marketing and communications, including working with seniors and underserved populations. Nikki, welcome to the program. Thanks, Mary. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, you know, giving us um, a warm welcome at the association. We appreciate it. Yeah, the, I hold the Alzheimer's Association near and dear to my heart. They are a tremendous organization, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today because we are going to talk about not only the Alzheimer's Association and all that it can provide for those folks that need their services and support, but we're going to talk about the walk too. Everybody hears about the walk, so I figured maybe we should explain what it is. So. Yes. Coming up fast. So yeah, let's go. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just jump right into my first question, which for all our listeners out there, I want them to know what is Alzheimer's disease and when was it first discovered? Because you just hear Alzheimer's fall off of everybody's lips these days. You bet. You bet. So Alzheimer's is a progressive and fatal brain disorder that impacts a person's memory thinking and behavior. And it is a type of dementia. I think that's a lot of times where we all kind of slip up is Alzheimer's dementia is dementia, Alzheimer's. Think of dementia as an umbrella. Um, Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. There's also vascular dementia. Folks with Parkinson's can develop dementia. Um, there's also frontal temporal dementia, which has been in the news a lot lately um, because of Bruce Willis. So um and Alzheimer's was first discovered around 1906 by a doctor named Dr. Alzheimer, uh, who was a, a German physician who worked with people that were struggling with, just like what I said, um, you know, these cognitive uh, memory issues. And when a particular woman passed, somehow, some way, he was given access to do an autopsy on her and discovered sort of these. Um, shrinkage within the brain and what we refer to now as plaques around the nerve endings. And that is sort of how, for lack of a better term, the ball got rolling in um, the name of the disease and then also research. So for a very long time, the only way to really know if someone had Alzheimer's was at autopsy and looking at the brain. And what year again was that? 1906. So, okay. So we're talking about 125 years ago, almost. Yeah. yeah, And not a lot, you know, not, not a, I mean, things happening between then and, and, you know, the sixties, but it wasn't really till the late sixties where there was sort of a cognitive assessment that was developed by different um, physicians to be like, this is what we can look at for somebody's baseline and then sort of go with, you know, is this somebody who has a type of dementia? 
And then later on, you know, first drug wasn't approved for dementia symptoms, for Alzheimer's symptoms until, gosh, the early 90s. I think the first drug trial was the 80s, but the first drug for symptoms wasn't approved by the FDA until the 90s. And it really wasn't until two years ago that we had a drug that was approved to treat the actual um, kind of what we believe are the root causes of the disease and to slow it down for people early on in mild cognitive impairment. So long way still to go. Right. It's in its infancy for research and development and um, breakthrough um, for cures. Yeah. Okay. So um, you hear, like I said, Alzheimer's falling off of people's lips all the time. Can Do you have any kind of statistics um, locally and nationwide maybe that you can provide us? You bet. You bet. The association every year does a report called Facts and Figures that comes out around March. So I really encourage people to Google Alzheimer's facts and figures every year that report has sort of a a special report embedded in it. Um, One year it was about um, sort of diversity, equity and inclusion and really, you know, highlighted how some communities are still very underserved by research and even access to being diagnosed. Um, But in general, some statistics that I think are, you know, pretty powerful is right now in the U.S. we have 6 million people living with the disease, and that's expected to jump to 13 million by 2000, by 2050. Um, The lifetime risk for a person if they're 45 is one in five women, one in 10 men are at a lifetime risk from age 45 on of developing the disease. And then here in Washington, just to get a little bit more granular, um, we have 120,000 people living with the disease and 300,000 unpaid caregivers. And so by unpaid caregivers kind of get rid of the jargon, that's basically family and friends who are caretaking for for their loved one. Um, And one in three seniors dies of of, uh, Alzheimer's or another type of dementia. So that's really more than um, breast cancer or prostate cancer. Those numbers are insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's just tough. And we also know that we don't have enough healthcare workers um, to to take care of sort of this growing population. Um, a stat that we had from the report this year was there uh, going to be a need of 1.2 mis- 2 million additional direct care workers needed to be able to take care of, of what we see down the horizon. So, yeah, we that's a whole nother topic. I, I yeah, want that's a whole nother topic. That's a round table, probably. Yeah. That's a round table. We'll, we'll we'll focus on Alzheimer's right now. So yeah, yeah. When was when and why was the Alzheimer's Association founded, and was it nationwide then? And if so, then when did the states start their own chapters? Because it's there's like you said, there's a umbrella, and then there's the subsidiaries. Yeah, so uh, the association was started in 1980 by a gentleman named Jerome Stone. And Jerome's wife uh, was on her path with disease starting in the 70s. And during their journey, he found that there wasn't a lot of research happening, or at least research that, you know, um, you and I and the general public would know about. Wasn't a lot of funding for research wasn't a lot of, you know, even in some ways more important than research for those of us that have had a loved one with the disease is not a lot of support for caregivers, Mm. right? Not a lot of support for the patients. 
um, the people living with the disease. So himself, along with some other philanthropists, caregivers, providers, healthcare providers, researchers from seven different uh, areas within the United States started the association. So it's, did it start out nationwide? Kind of, sort of, but not really. It was in seven different areas. Um, he was in the Chicago area. That's where our headquarters has remained. Um, but we have grown to, we have chapters in every state. We have 60 or so chapters nationwide. And why it's not 50 on the nose is because, you know, states like Texas, California, Florida have multiple chapters. So yeah bigger states, um, higher density population. Exactly. So, um, as you're saying, some of these states have more than one chapter. Let's get into the weeds and talk about a local chapter. What is what? What does a local chapter do? What's the purpose of the chapter? Right. So really the local chapter is to bring our vision, which is a world without Alzheimer's or any other dimension, kind of be, bring that vision to life, be the boots on the ground to you know, organize those support groups to um, do community engagement, to find advocates who are willing to um, go to Washington, D.C., go to Olympia, write those letters to the editor, write their Congress people. Come, we just recently did a rally to um, talk about drug coverage uh, that Medicare is sort of putting some roadblocks with, um, to do community education, to do walks, which we're going to talk about later. Okay. And um, can you um, tell us about underneath the chapters? I know you have care and support programs. Um, so let's talk a little bit about those programs themselves, because I know specifically for the Washington chapter, it's robust, the list of all the um, support programs that not only, you know, take place through webinars and in person, but um you know, then you even have like memory care cafes and. So. Yeah, we have, we're, we're really lucky um, in Washington where we have, you know, we've kind of bounced back from the pandemic and, you know, we have support groups meeting in person again. We have some that are still hybrid. So like you said, we have uh, some, we call them memory cafes. Those are oftentimes at libraries, community centers, senior centers, where people that are living with the disease, either um, early in the stages or even sometimes late, later in the stages of the disease and the journey can go with their caregiver and really just have that community, that sharing time, very much like a support group, but more of a social sharing. Then we have the traditional support groups. We have some that are for um, people who, you know, were not sort of a generation, whether it's boomers or Xers, that live where we grew up, right? So we have support groups for people who are caring for their parents from afar. We have early stage memory loss support groups for those people that um, people are getting diagnosed sooner. So that are still like, you know, potentially working that are still trying to make those plans. Like, what am I going to do with my with, am I going to retire now? Am I going to stay working? What, you know, what am I going to do with my healthcare directives? Those kinds of supports. We also work very closely with, and I hope I don't forget a healthcare system, but we work with Providence, Swedish, Multicare, and University of Washington to take referrals from them, especially for the newly diagnosed and do care consultations and care coordinations to help people kind of, you know, get on, uh, do some planning and find some footing and find some support when they're early in their diagnosis. And then 
we do a lot of community education work. So um, one of our most popular talks is the 10 warning signs um, that our community outreach folks do. They do talks on finance. They do talks on difficult conversations and how to handle those. You know, do you need to take the car keys away from mom or dad? That kind of thing. And I believe you also do talks on how to communicate. Um, yes. Um, with somebody with memory loss and um, how to agree with them on things. I mean, if they say exactly. that you know, today's 1950 and they're remembering, you know, living in their neighborhood in Brooklyn or whatever, then sure. What's yep. the harm to, um, you know, to agree with them on that? And yeah, just. Yeah, it- absolutely. If someone thinks it's Christmas in July, it's Christmas in July. One of my favorite resources that we have that our Karen support team, and this isn't actually it, but it's shaped like a business card. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're out and about with your loved one with dementia is you can hand it to say you're at a restaurant and you're with, you know, wait staff or, or, you know, at a grocery store, it can be like, I'm, you know, my loved one or the, I forget exactly what it says has dementia. Please be patient with us. I've, I've seen that card before and, and somebody um, told me, you know, they would slip it to the server in a restaurant and it, it just eases everybody on. Yeah. Just something that simple is so clever. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about the Alzheimer's Association and your volunteer and, um, it being a volunteer healthcare association. What does that mean? Right. So going back to when we were founded in, you know, 1980 by Mr. Stone, those were volunteers. And while we do have staff, um, in the Washington state chapter in every chapter, Really, we can't do all these support groups and all this community education and advocacy work without those volunteers. So of our 75 or so support groups, those are all volunteer led. In general, we have about 500 volunteers just within the Washington State chapter going out and doing those. You mentioned, you know, communication talks, doing 10 warning sign talks. Um, We also have people that, you know, go to our and again, we're going to talk about walk a little bit later go to walk and help with, you know, um, registration or making sure teams find each other. There's just lots of ways, I think, because people have a passion um, for this cause that they get involved. I did a um, event in April called The Road Ahead and the Alzheimer's Association was there. So one of your volunteers, you know, came and manned a table so that people could come up and ask questions. And she had um, written material to give out to, um, for them to leave with. And so, you know, there's there's a plethora of volunteer opportunities that we probably haven't even touched on, but that, that was the meat and potatoes of it, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've we've mentioned walk. So let's let's talk more about walk. Why and when was the Alzheimer's walk started? So the walk started back in 1989, mm-hmm. and it was at that point called the Alzheimer's Association Memory Walk. And I think a lot of people in Washington probably, you know, if you've been kind of affiliated with the organization for any amount of time, remember it as the memory walk. And it's twofold, you know, it's a fundraiser, but it's also very much about raising concern and awareness regarding um, the disease. You know, it's a safe place for people to go and have that community, you know, unless you've walked down this road with someone either personally or a lot of people that participate in the walk have some type of professional connection. um, It's very difficult and it's 
you know, just um, heartwarming and inspiring to be with people who kind of have that shared connection. Yeah, the, I did go to one, um, well, more than one, but I I took my father to one. My mother passed away from Alzheimer's and it gives you that opportunity to know that you're not alone, that this didn't just happen to you or to just your family, that, you know, it's, there are unfortunately many other families that are going through the same thing, but then you get to have a conversation with another family and you learn from them, you know, maybe you were struggling with trying to figure out how to get your wife out of bed in the morning, you know, and somebody could say, oh, we have that same problem too. This is what we tried and it's been so successful. So it gives you that, that, um, so instant support in that couple of hours that you are there and you can walk away with so much and, and your heart gets lifted a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I love the walks. They they really are. And you hear stories and yeah. Yeah. It breaks down walls. There still is unfortunately a lot of stigma around the disease. I mean, it is a neurogenerative disease. There's nothing really anyone can do to, prevent it. Yes, there are studies going on to look at, you know, maybe are there some lifestyle things that could, could impact, but nobody really knows yet for sure. You know, what we do know is what's good for the heart is probably good for the brain. But other than that, there's, there's nothing definitive. Um, And and I think people are scared, you know, they don't want to, if I have dementia, or I think this is happening, I'm automatically gonna, you know, they're going to take away my car keys, I'm going to have to quit my, like all these horrible things are going to happen. And the walk is great for a sort of level setting. And, and like you said, kind of. And, and what's great about the walk too, and the education um, programs that are provided and everything is that I think in the past, our mindset was Alzheimer's is a disease for the elderly, you know, somebody beyond 70 and 80, you get it when, you know, which towards your very end of life, but unfortunately, there are people um, being diagnosed with the disease now in their 50s oh, yeah, or even earlier. And that's heartbreaking. Um, so with the walk, being able to raise funds to support research and learning how um, there might be things we could do healthcare wise for ourselves to um, prevent that maybe in our future, you know, and and um, getting checks with your doctor, et cetera, you know, anything helps. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have walks coming up. We do. Yeah. So when do the Alzheimer's walk take place? And let's talk about the local Washington walks first. And then um, I'm assuming there are similar walks around the country. There are. So the walk is, as we call it, at the association, just the walk, but the walk to end Alzheimer's, it really is the largest fundraiser um, in the States, maybe even globally. I don't know if I have the stat for that, but let's just pretend it's true for now, right now (laughs) for care support and research. It's, it's huge. There are thousands of people that come out for walks. So locally we do walks, um, obviously, you know, Seattle, Spokane, Portland, you know, our major metros, but something that's very important to the association is being in community. So along with kind of being in major metros, you know, we're going to be in Squim, we're going to be in Silverdale, we're in Wenatchee, we're in Longview, we're in Mount Vernon, we're in Bellingham, because 
you know, dementia is and Alzheimer's is everywhere. Right. It's and, not just um, located in um, urban communities and exactly. in, in the capitals of each state. Exactly. Exactly. So kind of looking, you know, at the peninsula area, we have the swim walk is going to be on, and I have to look at my cheat sheet really quick, September 23rd, starting at 10 o'clock at Cary Blake Park. And then our Silverdale Walk is October 7th, um, also a 10 a.m. start, and it's at Waterfront Park. And these walks are traditionally, those dates are Saturdays, and um, the registration starts and people gather, they can um, visit with different vendor booths there that might have some wonderful support material for them, whether it's for, you know, financial advice, legal advice, um, nutrition, activities, whatever the case may be. Um, but then there's also a ceremony that takes place with the flowers. Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's incredibly moving. You know, usually it's someone who is living with the disease that's there, someone who has lost someone to the disease, someone who is, you know, perhaps impacted in another way. And they all share, you know, just kind of uh, maybe a two minute sort of talk about where they're at with this. And it's it's definitely powerful. So if somebody wants to know where a walk is in their community, they should just go to www.alz.org, I'm assuming. Yep. And they will be able to click on your chapter and then you'll be able to find the walks. And walk season starts in some states. It will begin in August and it will run through November. I think our, our Florida and California folks go through November. Here in Washington, we wrap up in October just to be on the safe side. And those walks are rain or shine. So, yeah. Yeah. well, I have just a couple of more questions and, but we're running out of time. So I want to make sure I get these questions in for you. Um, as we talked about the Alzheimer's Association is a big, a big volunteer program. So how can someone get involved in the walk from a volunteer standpoint or for personal reasons? So when you go and you look for your local community walk, and forgive me, but you're going to have to scroll just a tiny bit on that page, and every walk has a manager. So reach out to that manager, their emails there, their phones there, reach out to them about volunteer opportunities. Um, I would say businesses, um, start a team, um, because we I mentioned earlier, there's 300,000 unpaid caregivers in the state. Those are your employees that are probably missing time off of work are having their own stressors because they're a caregiver. So, um, you know, that's not necessarily volunteering, but, you know, starting a team is a way to get involved. Um, volunteers, there's all sorts of jobs at the walk. Uh, we definitely need young or maybe not even young, but just, um, you know, folks that don't mind putting up tents and lifting things around. It's always been a great volunteer opportunity for like high school students or youth groups. Um, but we also need people that will just stand there and sort of direct traffic. Um, so, and make phone calls sometimes to just remind people that the walk's coming up. There's all sorts of different ways. And when you're saying start a team, I just want to make sure everybody understands you could start a team because I've done this many times and it's about um, getting donations right? You start a team, people can donate $25, whatever the case may be, set yourself a goal. But your team members need to understand, you know what, if you can't walk that day, that's okay. But 
the the purpose of the team is to show the financial support. Um, so if you can just understand that starting a team doesn't mean that you need to show up and swim on, you know, in September or in Silverdale in, in October, but the support is needed for the teams. So, yeah. And yeah. I think the goal, the fine, and just quickly, you know, there is a financial goal. We do realize it's a community event. So yes, we'd love that every team would raise a million dollars, but they're not, it's a community event. So you can set your goal for your team at, hundred dollars and everybody pitches in 10. So, you know, we want to meet people where they're, where they're at. So yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, if everybody gave a dollar in the country, I mean, that would be amazing. So a yeah, a lot of our, a lot of our healthcare issues would be solved. <laughs> That's another podcast, right? Yep. So let's make sure we get some information to our listeners. What website and phone number do you want to share with our listeners so they can get information, whether it be for support, whether it's for 24-7 calling, educational educational materials, volunteering opportunities, starting walk, et cetera. Where would you like to send them to? You said it earlier, ALZ.org is the best place to find out when there are support groups, when there are education events, when, when those walks are and how to volunteer for those walks or other things. Um, we also have a 24-7-365-800 number that's staffed by master's level clinicians. And that's a great spot when it's, you know, two in the morning and you're worrying and you just need somebody to talk to. Um, and that is 800-272-3900. And if you go to ALZ.org, it's in big, bold letters on the website as well. And so that 800 number is <laughs> nationwide or is that a Washington 800 number? It is nationwide and it's staffed by um, it's staffed by master's level clinicians. So not by volunteers, but okay. yeah, because Thank usually you. they need that extra. Typically, you know, people are calling and needing that extra level of support that maybe a volunteer isn't comfortable or able to give. Yep. So no matter where you are, that number works for you. So. Yes. We're going to have to say goodbye to our listeners. And I have to thank you, Nikki, for speaking with me today about the Alzheimer's Association and the walk. Um, like I said, unfortunately, nowadays, it's very common to be speaking with someone and they tell you someone close to them has Alzheimer's disease. I feel like it's six degrees from Kevin Bacon, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely, I do. Absolutely. But the Alzheimer's Association does provide so much support to our community. And I truly appreciate you sharing all of what is available out there for our listeners. So thank you. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, grateful to be here. So thank you. Well, until next week, folks, take care and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.